Hallelujah. If I were a singer, I'd sing, I am so wondrously saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where He took me in. We're singing glory to His name. Jesus, we worship You, Lord, and we praise You. You are holy, O God. You are righteous. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to the Church of Omaha tonight. It is good to see all of you. I am happy to be here. This is the week of Thanksgiving. Now, if there's any children, I see a couple in here. If you want to make your way um, right to the back here, they're practicing for the, the play. And so you can make your way there. Youth can be dismissed. And you know, the rest of you may be seated. Um, and I think everyone else is in here. Several folks gone tonight. Bishop and First Lady there in Maine. You know, I'm going to make my way up there one day, and I'm going to have some lobster, and it's going to be caught fresh out of the, the ocean. And, yeah. Courtney, is it really good? She says it's really good. I'm not going to make the trip. Um, all right. If we could turn to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and we are in the book of Isaiah, as we've been much of this month, Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, and we'll start at verse 1, it says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace, wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And, it, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us tonight. God, speak to this church. Oh, God, let your word go forth. God, enlighten our eyes. Let's to understand and be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Um, when I was going through the book of Isaiah here, and I was looking at promises and hope and um, thinking on tonight, I, one of the things that stands out in the book of Isaiah, and Donnie... Um, do I need to go ahead and just turn it off, or do you want to mess with it for a little bit? It's really crackling up here. Um, yeah. I think I'll go ahead and... Here we go. Here we go. Um, so when I was going through I see in the book of Isaiah uh, it's of hope. Hope. And that's something that when I look through the book of prophets, all the prophets... Um, generally speaking, there's, there's hope through everything for, for no other reason than the fact that God has declared there's going to be judgment. You say, well, how is there ever hope in judgment? Um, there's hope in judgment because God thought it fitting to come and address with you the problem. He came to tell you that there is a problem here and it has to be fixed. Even the city of Nineveh and the book of Jonah is a great example of this hope. Uh, Jonah ran from God. Why did he run from God? 
he tells us, he said, God, because I knew that if they repented, you would change your mind. There wasn't anything in there where God said, hey, Jonah, go tell Nineveh, repent, or, and I'll change my mind. No, he just said, tell them I'm going to destroy this city in 40 days. He didn't say there's an option, there's a chance. But the book of Isaiah brings a clear-cut excitement out in a hope interlaced in all of the uh, um and all the statements about judgment and here's what you've done wrong and God's displeased and you didn't do right by the poor and the widows and 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 God's had enough and you're going to be overtaken is this well we talked about it a couple weeks ago that there's going to be a savior that comes that there's going to be salvation that comes but also interlaced in there is this hope that Jesus is not just going to come back and we know at Christmas time in a manger and that he's going to suffer and, and die on the cross, but that one day God is going to descend with a shout and that there's going to be a city that's set on a hill and that Jerusalem is going to descend. And so he brings a hope for the end time. But in Romans here it says, And hope maketh not ashamed. So before I jump into the verses in Isaiah, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And I thought, and hope maketh not ashamed? (laughs) Since when did you decide that hoping in something made you not ashamed? Now, I love my, my family dearly. And I am sure sometimes I embarrass them. Hopefully I don't make them ashamed. But... Do they look at me? I mean, it'd be really odd. And they and you said, "Hey, uh, did I did I embarrass you today? Were you a little ashamed of me?" Oh no, Dad, because we hoped that you would still be our dad. Like, I was like, well, <laughs> you know, you read a scripture many different times, and this is one of those that I read, and I'm like, "And hope maketh not ashamed." And so I dug into the words a little bit. That word hope, you'll see, is expectation, and ashamed. Is disappointed. You know, okay, I get that. I was disappointed in you. And patience, experience. So what does it say here? It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access unto faith, by faith unto this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The hope of the glory of God. And we know that this is talking about that we've been filled with the Holy Ghost, that He lives in us. And it says at the end, by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us, we have Jesus in our hearts. And when you're living for Jesus, you, you, you have Him moving in you and, and living in you. You have Him every day with you. You know, one day He's going to descend and we're going to have glorified bodies and, and all this is going to be wiped away. But the exciting thing is, is while you're in the flesh... Jesus went ahead and he said, hey, the age to come is actually for you right here. And I did this example a while back. But if you drew a line right here, and this is the age to come, and this is when you live in your glorified body, and, and, and uh, uh, Jesus is reigning on the earth, if you drew that line right here, what he's done is he's already said, hey, I'm moving it over to here where Brother Kennedy's at. And so, yes, you're still in your flesh, but you get to live in the Spirit 
And so you have spiritual authority, and you get to, to do things in your flesh, not, not in the flesh, but while you're in your fleshly body, you get to have authority over spirit, the spirit world, and you don't have to wait till you have a glorified body. That is just exciting to me. That, that God has gone ahead and he said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you right now all the tools you need, all the authority you need, and an experience in me. You don't have to wait till you've moved into the new house. You, you don't have to wait till, you know, a couple of years ago we lived in 1,500 square feet with a family of seven. And I know that was great like 50 years ago maybe. It's not great today. I can't imagine doing co-vetting with kids in school doing all of that, right? And, and then we moved to the bigger house, the 3,000 square feet, and we got three good floors to work on, instead, of, including the basement, right? Instead of really what was effectively one, because the basement had become storage. And, and, and so, um, but we had to wait to get that space to move into the bigger house. But what it is like today is if God says, hey, you know what? I know that you have 1,500 square feet and, and, and it's going to be 10 years before you can get the bigger house. Uh, um, but while you're over here, I'm just giving you the keys to the bigger house. You can go ahead and, and I'm going to give you a, a, a little blessing over here. You have some extra space. And you're saying, okay, does that make a lot of sense? Well, okay, maybe the example's not that great. Um, but God went ahead and, and he's in this world. He said, hey, I know you're going to go through trials and tribulations. I know sometimes the, the house might be a little tight. But I'm going to expand your world. And they're going to look at you and they're going to say, well, wait a second, why do you have joy and why do you have hope? And you're saying, yeah, you see me right here and you think I'm trapped in my circumstance, but I'm not bound by this body. I'm not bound by the conditions of this world. I have a freedom and deliverance and hope in Jesus. And so we have him and hope is expectation. So when we have Jesus living in us, and we're filled with his spirit. And we know what it's like to be baptized in Jesus' name. And we know what it was like. It's When you go down in that water, there is a liberty and freedom that comes over you. And those things fall off of you. And you're like, I did not know I could live guilt-free. And, and, and so that all falls away from you. And then he comes in you and he fills you with his spirit. And you're like, I can't, you can't describe that to anybody. Matthew, how do you tell somebody? Well, the Holy Ghost feels like this. There, there is no other comparison. You know, we could sit down and we could talk about some everything out there, right? Uh, frog legs, what does it taste like? Chicken, okay. What does rabbit taste like? I, I Maybe you don't want to hear this. I had some rabbit this week. Chicken, that's what somebody's, what does it taste like? Well, kind of like chicken. You know, um, everything tastes like chicken. No, you either have to go beef or chicken. And if your beef tastes like chicken... I'm sorry, I can't help you. You paid too much money for chicken. Um, but there is no comparison to Jesus. Now, I try to tell people, you know, it's like if you never had ice cream and then you taste it for the first time and then that person happens to be the one that says, I don't really like ice cream. I'm like, oh, man. Right, we get, new example, new example. What do you like? Well, not really much of anything. You know, uh, no, Jesus is the best thing ever. And it's not just when he filled me for that very first time and he washed over me. But I have gone through depression. I have gone through sin after I was filled with the Holy Ghost. 
And, and you guys, you have to endure my stories because I've been here too many years. But I was driving down the interstate, and I remember just feeling Jesus reach over and wrap his arm around me. You know what it's like when you're driving and you turn your head over and you're like, ain't nobody's sitting there. But yet you've encountered the presence of Jesus Christ in a real way. I remember driving over the mountains in Montana, and I was not where I should be in God. And I was very angry with God. And then he just spoke right into my heart, deeper than any other word could pierce, and letting me know what, where I was at and that I needed to change. You can't, you can't change, you know, there's no other place, like, no other thing you can do that's like that. My words are all getting jumbled here, but Jesus comes in and he touches you and changes you. We talk about healing, and I believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. He is my physical healer. But the one thing that has struck me as of late is when he healed me of my sins. Not just forgave me, but he healed me of my sins. He took those pains that were within me, and he set me free from them. Oh, and so what is it, this experience, this hope, this expectation it's because I have encountered Jesus, and Jesus has touched my life, and he made me feel his presence in my heart. Sometimes I've gone through dry places, and I've gone through struggles. Sometimes my sin separated me again, and I had to get into a place of repentance. Sometimes his voice was just seemingly silent in my life. But because I have been in a place with God... I have an expectation or a hope for my next problem or my situation. I, can, I also have a hope for the one I'm currently in. He was with me then, and he's going to be with me now. He was with me then, and he's with me tomorrow. And so I have a hope that maketh me not to be disappointed. Oh, I, I'm like, you know what? God, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not disappointed in you because I just am going to hold on a little bit longer. And maybe it feels like forever. But God, the one that said you'll never leave me nor forsake me, you didn't leave me then even when I thought you did. And you're not going to leave me today. And I know that you're still going to be there tomorrow. Can we give him some glory? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Isaiah, he rings of this hope. This hope that if you just hold on and you get through that struggle, you get through that punishment that you're going through, Israel, and not just to the nation of Israel, but humanity. Listen, humanity, oh, if you'll just hold on, there is promise and there's hope. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Uh, um, when you open up to the um, book of Isaiah chapter 2, we see that a word comes to Isaiah, and it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days mm, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all the nations shall flow unto it. Now, what is the mountain of the Lord? And what is the city, that, that the city of God? What is that? Oh, Bishop, he went through this very well when, um, at the end of last month. But we know that it is the people of God, and it is the church of God. In Romans chapter 2, when we talk about the Israel of God, 
Romans chapter 2, verse 17 says, Behold, thou art a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast in God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are most excellent, being instructed out of the law. Art thou confident that thou self, thyself art a guide to the blind, and a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish? He's speaking to Jewish people here. And a teacher of babes, which has a form of knowledge, and of the truth in the law, that thou therefore, which teachest, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal thyself? And he begins to go through more examples here. He's speaking to Jewish people, and he's saying, hey, wait a second. You're teaching this. You're preaching this. You as a Jew, born in, in your, your flesh as a Jew, you teach these things, but don't you also commit these sins? Aren't you the one doing them? And then jump down to verse 28. He says, uh, um, he says, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision that is of the heart and in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Romans chapter 4, it says, for the promise, verse 13 says, For the promise that he should be an heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And verse 23 says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, speaking of faith and uh, um, for righteousness, but for us also that to whom it shall be imputed or it shall be given, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who had, was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You are the people of God. You are the children of Abraham by faith, and you are the holy Israel of God. Holy Israel of God. And so when you read here in the book of Isaiah, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations shall flow unto it. We know that Jesus is literally going to descend. But you know who's going to descend with him? The church of the living God. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up unto the mountain, to the Lord, to the house of God. And he shall teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. Uh, verse 4 says, And he shall judge all nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into, swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. You know where this is written at? On the UN. If you go to the UN, you'll see on a, a large wall there, this scripture, this world has hoped and hoped and hoped that somehow we can have peace throughout humanity. But if they would only look to see the source of these scriptures and say, Oh God, help me to understand what was Isaiah talking about here. Because the only hope and peace, the only time weapons are going to be put down and, and, and peace is going to reign is when Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back. The hope that Isaiah speaks about, we see it in chapter 2. We see it through the book of Isaiah, and we see it at the end of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65 says, For behold, verse 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. But, ye, but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. 
For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is coming back. God is coming back. Verse 25 says, And the wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And dust shall be in the serpent's meat, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. From the start of Isaiah to the end of the book of Isaiah, we see that the, the writer is declaring that one day Jesus is going to come back. And there is going to be peace on this earth. There's going to be peace. He gives a hope. He gives an expectation. Ah, but as we've talked a little bit in Romans, and, and as I want to bring out tonight, we don't just have a hope that's for the future. But that hope was brought into our present day. Not just when Jesus first died on the cross and was born in a manger. But when he filled you with his spirit. In Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12, here He's speaking to Ephraim, and, and, and he's talking to him, and, and, and then he begins to say, he says, verse 11 says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Now, some translations say foreign lips and a strange tongue. If you were hearing this word go forth at that time, if you heard Isaiah walk out there and he was like, for with foreign lips and a strange tongue will he speak to this people. You would have immediately thought we're being invaded. And they were invaded. And people that spoke a different language was heard all around them. As their children were taken away, as parents were slain, as families were split up, as the nation was taken over. And Hearing a word from God that said with strange lips and a, a strange foreign lips and a strange tongue, God will speak to this people, didn't seem like a good sign. That didn't seem like very much of a positive, does it? I remember when my pastor sat down with me and he said, Lucas, I think something happened to you tonight. And he flipped back to the book of Isaiah and he read with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. I think it's so fitting that at the Tower of Babel, maybe some of you parents have told your children, man, why do you babble on? <laughs> but at the Tower of Babel where the confusion of languages occurred and, and that day wasn't such a great day and it represented the corruption of mankind, that God all those years later in Acts chapter 2 would say, I'm going to have a sign and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave it utter them utterance. What happened that day? These stammering lips and other tongues that he said I would speak to this people previously it looked like judgment it looked like man what have we done now and where is God at but God said I'm going to speak to the world through a changed language in my church 
Oh, the people of God will have a changed language. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 21 and 22, Paul references this. He says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak to this people. Yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Now Paul here, he's delving into, also into uh, um, gifts of the Spirit, but he says here, wherewith tongues are a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. And then he goes on and talks about prophesying in the church. But we can see this hope here back in the book of Isaiah when he tells us, with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak to this people? Oh, when I read the book of Isaiah... I'm filled with expectation and joy. I wonder when people back then read this stuff, if they, if they said, wait a second, what, what does this all mean? I, I know the Ethiopian, when he was in the chariot, he was like, who's this man? Who's this man? What, what's going on here? I, I know that the Jewish people looked for a Messiah, but did they understand here that God wanted to do something in their lives before he would return and, and deliver the world from sin, before he would do that, that he wanted to live in them? Because verse 12 says, To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. This is the rest. Wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. They would not hear. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there were Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. There were Medes and Persians and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and Cappadocia and Pergia and Pamphylia. Libya about Cyrene. You know why I can say all those words? Because I learned them when I was age 12. It was quizzing. I can't say a lot of words in the Bible, but I can say Pamphylia. <laughs> Pergia. When God gave you his spirit, he didn't say you just need to wait until you die. And then I blow the trumpet, and then you're resurrected again. But I'm going to change you right now. I remember meeting a man. I was at a class, and we were standing in the hotel, hotel there. It was for work. And he was from the Philippines, I believe. I was talking to him, and I said, how do you know that you're going to go to heaven? And he said, you know, I ask myself that question like every day. I ask myself that question quite often. And I'm like, I, I, he's like, he's like I, I think you can know because, uh, um, you know, you're doing your best and you're trying. And I'm like, but you can know. You can know. And, and we sit down and we begin to flip through these scriptures and, and we begin to talk about it. You can know that you have Jesus living in you for multiple reasons. One, you're going to bear fruit. One, one you're going you're, you're gonna to see that you're convicted of things in your heart that, man, I shouldn't do that anymore. You're going to have that peace and that joy, and it's going to start to, to come out. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit's going to lead and guide you into all truth. You're going to see that you begin to grow and change. But it's not just that. Because you get to reach back first, and you can see that it was foretold this would happen. But then you can see that they had the experience in Acts chapter 2, but that you can have that same shared experience. If you flip, flip over to Acts chapter 10, 
Acts chapter 10, Peter's preaching, and he's preaching to a bunch of Gentiles. These are the people like us who are spiritually going to become the Israel of God. That's who Paul was talking to. He was saying, hey, it's not about being circumcised in the flesh. It's about being circumcised in the spirit. And we can clearly see it when God pours out his spirit on the Gentiles. And so Acts chapter 10 verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. My neighbor was asking me a while back. He's like, what's all this ghost stuff? Why? Because his daughter came to VBS, and he's like, the kids are all talking about ghosts and spirits, and what's going on here, and what are you trying to do? I'm like, it's just Jesus living in you. Oh, if we could grasp that. Now, I appreciate saying the Holy Spirit, that's when God's operating on you, and overshadowing you and moving in you. I, I appreciate calling him my father because he is my father and he's my creator. But to have that understanding that the Peter and Paul, or not Paul, but Peter and James and John, the one that appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, that Jesus that said, children, have you any meat? Sam, he lives in you. The one that said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His spirit is literally in you right now. Not an angel from heaven. You don't have to say, well, well, maybe there's an angel here that can help me. You don't need to wait for the stirring of some waters. You don't have to say, if I could just make my, my get up to the third heaven and make my way into the throne room and somehow find his feet. He's not just right here. He's right here. The Queen of England's not going to be knocking on your door. The President's not showing up at your house. You're not getting a visit from Bill Gates. But Jesus is right here. And it says, on them was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's Christ in you. For they heard them speak with tongues. They heard them speak in another language and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? What was he saying? What were they saying? They were saying, hey, <laughs> it happened to them. And you know what I get to say and what my children have got to say and is what happened to them happened to me. Oh, it's the same Jesus. And then you get to flip through the rest of the book. And you get to say the Jesus that said, I'm coming back for them. It's coming back for me. And the Jesus that said, I'll be with you always. He's with me always. The one that said, I'm your healer. He's my healer too. Because I had the same thing that they had. Oh, I thought back today and I thought about my ancestry. I thought about my grandma. I, I thought about uh, um, those that preached to me, and they were born in the 40s, and, and now I'm sitting here in 2020, and if I live another 20 years, I'll be in 2040. And, and I thought 1940 to 2040. And then my children, you know, I've got Emery, and she's uh, 11 years old, but for math, we could call her 10. She's not in here. And, and you know, she lives till she's 80, you know, and, and so 80 years from now, if God doesn't come back, um, we'll be in uh, uh, 2000, yes, you guys got it, right? 
um, <laughs> 2,100. And, and yet to look from 1940 to 2,100 and this gospel, she's still going to be dressing holy. She's still going to be preaching water baptism and repentance and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's still here. And it's what Peter preached. And it's what we believe in today. We've got to have that same shared experience that with stammering lips in another tongue will he speak to this people. And so they said, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Uh, I'll go ahead and I'll clip through Acts chapter 19. But Paul, when he was passing, um, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much heard that there be any Holy Ghost. And they said unto them, and he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then Paul, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on, upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. It's the same thing, the same thing. We can see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you're like, well, what about Paul? Paul says, I speak with tongues more than you all. You're like, okay, Lucas, why are you? Look around here. Why are you, all, why are you talking to us so much about tongues tonight? Well, for two reasons. One, because I really felt it when I was going through this book of Isaiah, and I began to write notes, and I was like, why am I talking to a, a lot of people who are filled with the Holy Ghost? about tongues. But it's because in the book of Isaiah, he laid out a hope. And what would have maybe looked like judgment to some at the time was a hope for our future. And not just a hope that we would look at some distance way off and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to keep living this way because if I just hold on and, and I die and, and then God will raise me up but it's because Jesus lives in me. And I want you to remember tonight, this week of Thanksgiving, that Jesus lives in you. Jesus lives in you. He lives in you. Hallelujah. And so the last thing I just want to touch on, as we're going to be wrapping up here in the next, oh, I don't know, five Eight minutes. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21. And I'm not going to go through the whole chapter here, but he's, deal, um, he's laying out a promise and he's laying out a hope. He's laying out an excitement. He starts out after he's talked about judgment in 42. He says, but verse 1 says, But thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. And I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Oh, you could read down through that and see the excitement and promises of God. But verse 21 says, This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Oh, when I look at what God has given to me, 
that hope that the prophets longed to look into, that hope that these people back then uh, didn't have but, but heard about. And I realized that I have Jesus living in me right now. I can't do anything else but praise Him. I can't do anything else but give Him worship. You know, I say that. Let me just take a pause on that worship before we go into 1 Peter. This people that I have formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. When you read through the Psalms, well, Sister Kiara, you do an awesome job leading worship. But when you read through the Psalms, what you'll see is we'll get up here and we'll sing our songs of worship about the greatness of God. But something happens. There's two parts to this worship service. You see it every Sunday, almost literally every Sunday at TCOO. We have right down here at the altar. And what's happening at the altar is people are crying out to God saying, I'm hurting. And we're singing up here about the greatness of God. When you read through the Psalms, you'll see a cry out to God. You'll... You'll, you'll see um, repentance going out. You'll see David crying out and, and, and looking at his sins and, and, and saying that he was formed in iniquity and, and sin did his mother conceive him. And, and he'll, he'll talk about the sacrifices are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And, and, and sometimes you'll see, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and you'll see why did the heathen rage? And, and you'll see why am I going through struggle? And you'll see where is God at? Because there's two parts to praise. There's the struggle of where is he and why do I still in my flesh have to fight with sin? And then there's, but I know in him I have believed. There's that, that hope that he's going to come, that he's going to rescue me. There's that he's with me now. Oh, and that's the two parts. And so we sing about the greatness of God. And we pour out our hurt and our struggle. And then we turn our hurt and struggle into, but you're great, oh God. But you're worthy, oh God. But I hope in you, Lord Jesus. You're my strength. I want to encourage you. Give him your hurt. Give him your struggle. Because you can't truly praise God. Your praise is empty. Unless you're willing to say, God, I'm struggling, and I don't know where you're at. And sometimes I just wonder if you left me, and I wonder if you've forgotten me. But you know what? Listen to me, enemy. I'm still holding on to him, and I'm not going to leave him nor forsake him. I maybe gave up for a while, but I'm coming back. And you know what we have from him? Behold, I am with you always, and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And our hands join up with his, and our worship goes from our struggle to his greatness. Hallelujah. Let's give him a hand clap. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. What is that? It's my life. Oh, I was broken and battered, but he pulled me up. I was bound by sin, and he brought me out. I messed up, but I came back to an altar, and he forgave me. Oh, I, you say, well, wait a second. Look at that sickness in your body. Oh, why can you praise him? Because I have a hope and an expectation living within me. And he kept me yesterday, and he's keeping me today, and he's going to keep me tomorrow. And so Peter, he says in First Peter chapter 2, 
Oh, I can see Peter reaching back even into this verse in Isaiah. It says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He says, Ye are as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Oh, what are we to do? We offer up spiritual sacrifices. Oh, we're that priesthood. In verse 9, he goes on, and I'm not going to read the ones in between, but he says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness. Oh, what am I going to do? I'm a people that are formed for God. He said, I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praises. Oh, this wasn't just for Israel back then, but it is for you today. What am I going to do? I'm going to show forth his praise. I'm a holy priesthood. I've been built up for him. Oh, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That, and then verse, verse 12 says, they, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In the day of visitation. On this week of Thanksgiving, you each have a story in your life. You know, our story is not the story of the pilgrims and Plymouth Rock. And probably, I wonder how many of your ancestors were even here. <laughs> how, many of your, how many have ancestors from Revolutionary War times? All right, there we go. You know, I, 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 oh, all right, we got some further back here. I'm pretty sure that's not me. I'm pretty sure my ancestors, maybe they came over to build the railroad, were Irish. They didn't think a lot of Irish at that time. Um, and, uh, um, but you know what I have? I have a hope in Jesus Christ. I, I have salvation in him. I'm a chosen generation. I've trusted in him by faith. Oh, I, I, I can't look back in my time in this country and, and I can't look back and say, well, my, I came from this and that struggle. And yeah, I can look at the history of this nation and say, hey, that's part of my history. But I have a thanksgiving and I have a praise that goes up to Jesus Christ. Oh, not because I landed here on, a, on Plymouth Rock, but because he brought me out of sin. He, he pay, helped me pay the bills when I didn't know how I was going to pay for them. He was there with me when I was stressed out about the sick kid at night. Oh, when I wondered about God, what's going to happen to my family? I had somebody to call on and someone to reach out to. When some of you were struggling, we went to the Lord in prayer and we said, God, they need help. When I was struggling, there was someone praying for me. What is my thanksgiving this week? Oh, it's everything that he brought me through. And how can I not Praise Him. Could we stand to our feet? I just want us to take a moment here. Because this nation, we're celebrating this week of Thanksgiving. But when I look through the book of Isaiah, I see that, I see all those prophetic words that went, out, went forth about a Messiah is going to come. But not just a Messiah, that there's going to be an end to this. And then I seen a word that said, hey... There's going to be a people that speak in a new language. Something's going to happen to them. And today, 
we have that hope. Can we just give him thanksgiving for Christ in you, the hope of glory? I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. You are righteous, oh God. There's nobody like you. There's nobody that's touched my heart and forgiven me of my sins. Oh God, there's nobody that when I've been down and depressed and and I was at my lowest point, oh God, that came in like you did. And I just want to tell you thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit in me, Jesus. Oh God, I might not have the wealth of this world. Oh Lord, I might have disappointment here. Oh, but Jesus, you've given me joy. And you've given me correction. Oh God, you've turned me around when I was headed the wrong direction. Oh Jesus, you brought my attention back to you. And I just want you to know, Jesus, I love you. And I praise you. And I give you glory. How can I not praise you? I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as you wrap up the book of Isaiah, I want you to see that hope and expectation. It wasn't just for those people. But it was truly for the people of God that would be born again of water and spirit. It was for you, the Israel of God. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving week. Enjoy your family. And and remember his salvation, his hope.